Last week on Ghost Hampton, Lyle sought out an old priest who dodges questions about ghosts. Instead, he pushes Father Mateo, a mysterious young Maltese priest, on Lyle. The two break into Old Vic and each man has a near-deadly encounter. Mateo explores upstairs as Lyle suffers a seizure. Hey, we're us sinners. Mateo doubles over as a fearsome blow knocks the wind out of him. There's another screech from the unearthly chorus. He staggers as he fights for air, his feet hobbled by an unseen serpent, but he must finish. He coughs out the last line. Now, and at the hour of our death, amen. With that, the room's door flies back open. The women, if that's even what they are, rise in the air wailing louder now, the swirl around him in a tornado of dirty hair and bones. Mateo is not really afraid. He stands erect as the brutal attack on his body and mind suddenly dissipates. This is what he came to do. He blesses the apparitions and senses something quite rare in return. Gratitude. In a vision that borders on hallucination, the witchy spirits transform, one after another, into glowing orbs. They circle him gently, providing warmth against the cascade of cold from the open cupola down the hall. Then Matteo, now free to move, steps out of the room. The orbs also flow out into the hall and flock up the rickety stairway to the cupola and the night sky beyond. One lingers just a moment and gives him what might be considered a warm hug. Then they are all gone, and the cold returns. But Matteo feels great relief, like never before. For once he succeeded in melding his paranormal sensitivity with his priestly faith. To be sure, something else remains in this house, and it is not happy. It's time to get out. The priest heads back down the hallway, and as he reaches the point by the stairs to the cupola, a floorboard gives out under his weight. In an instant, one leg breaks through the old wooden plaster. Falling, his long cassock with its many buttons rips open, and his groin catches painfully on a joist between floorboards. The cold air envelops him from the wasted cupola above. Trying to free his leg, which is dangling in the air two stories above the parlor, Matteo shines the phone light between the floorboards and sees Lyle Hall, lying collapsed on the floor. On his back, Lyle is delirious, caught in a dream of hellish visions. Family members, friends and enemies all jabbing him with hot pokers. He also sees a man's leg dangling from the ceiling high above and sprinkling old plaster dust down onto his face, making it hard to breathe. He hears the stairs creaking one at a time as he gives in to the baby spiders devouring his muscles. Finally losing consciousness, his eyes roll back in his head. Lyle! Lyle! Fuck you, priest! Matteo, kneeling next to Lyle, slaps his face left and right, trying to bring him back, and his beard emits puffs of plaster dust. He shines the phone in Lyle's eyes, which are white, except for red capillaries. But Lyle can't breathe. So how is it he can talk? It's this thing inside Lyle, staring at him through white eyes. Matteo ignores the awful curse and tries to get a grip on the disabled man he encouraged to bring him here. Then he hears the unbelievable, 
It sounds like a curse in Greek. And again this time with real venom. Mateo, being Maltese, understands basic Greek. This is an outrageous, sickening accusation. The words hurt him deeply, but he summons all his strength to get this man, a lifeless hulk his own size, up on his feet. However, Lyle's legs don't work, and he can't breathe. But he can now curse fluently in Greek, and he lets loose a continuous torrent of the most vile, disgusting blasphemy the priest has ever heard. Matteo cannot grasp either crutch, but he is resolved to drag Lyle, arms draped over his shoulders, cursing like the devil, through the kitchen and out into fresh air. That gets tougher when reaching the kitchen, the big web is repaired, and its denizen is waiting for them. Matteo, his own leg aching from the occurrence on the third floor, limps and drags his blasphemous burden straight through the extended network of webbing. The huge spider scampers in their direction. Matteo tries to pick up speed. He sees the kitchen doorway, the old door lying like a plank out ahead of him. At the doorway, the vengeful spider is overhead, about to launch itself onto this two-headed human enemy, when Matteo's foot catches the leading edge of the downed old door. He trips forward, hitting the flattened door with his elbows, Lyle's dead weight making the land even harder and skids down face first. It's suddenly quiet and cool outside in the night air. The terrible cursing has stopped, thank God. Taking a breath himself, Mateo's only choice is flip Lyle's limp body off him into the weeds. He lands on his back with a thud. With a burst of energy, Mateo leaps onto Lyle and clears his breathing passage. Grotesque as Lyle's become, the priest takes in a big gulp of cold air and commences mouth-to-mouth CPR. He repeats this, interspersed with pumping Lyle's chest and praying aloud to God. Matteo would even be pleased with more cursing from this man, any sign of life. He bends to Lyle's mouth again and is surprised by multitude flashes of light. He then resumes pumping Lyle's chest but looks over his shoulder and sees the squat figure of a man before he's blinded by a new flash. Moses, fucking piece of shit! Father Sherry's prayer has been answered. His new friend is alive, albeit cursing out a prominent Old Testament hero. Hi, Lyle. Visiting old Vic? Lyle, are you okay? Lyle... Are you in your right mind? Moe snaps more flash pictures as Lyle explodes in impotent fury. Moe, you fuckwad! Get away from us with a camera, you two-bit sack of pig shit! Moe hands his business card to a slack-jawed Matteo, who's now kneeling by Lyle. Moe Allen, Southampton Press. I'm covering the Lyle Hall haunting story. What part of get the fuck away from us do you not understand, Moe? You must be Father Sherry. Did you find anything of interest inside? Matteo, do not answer him. Father, if you have any news, anything you'd like to share with our readers, please don't hesitate to call. Moses turns to leave. Mateo watches in stunned silence. Don't hesitate to go fuck yourself, Mose. Finally, Mateo gets his breath. Lila, I was so afraid I'd lost you. Well, you found me. Are you okay? I was afraid you had died. Being worse. We must talk. Father, how about a break for now? Of course. Lyle, you must be thirsty. 
Please, can I get you water? Scotch, Father. Scotch. A lot. Fred heads out to his van with a go cup of coffee, a burger and another 20 in his shirt pocket. Inside, Lyle sits across from Father Sherry at a booth in the nearly deserted diner. They both have hamburger platters before them, and the waitress has poured Lyle a double doers on the rocks. Matteo watches him take a deep swig, his first in over a year, as the staff stands at a distance observing this odd couple. So, are you an exorcist or something? No, nothing like that. Malta you see, is a very spiritual, ancient place. Gozo, my home island, is perhaps the most spiritual and mystical. Churches everywhere you turn? Yes, but more than architecture. Hard to explain in English. What do the residents of Gozo call themselves? Gauze? Maltese. Right. So... Monsignor Hannon referred to something happening to you as a boy. Yes, yes. I was victimized as a boy. Matteo takes a long pause, collecting his thoughts. Lyle has more scotch, watching the priest, trying to read him. By an older man? No. Yes and no. By a male. Male what? Demon. Lyle almost spits his scotch onto his hamburger. He composes himself, brings his napkin to his mouth. Matteo is glad to have said it. He sees Lyle now as a kindred spirit, a victim in his own right. He points at Lyle's ear. You have some spider web hanging still. Lyle, distracted, brings the napkin to the wrong ear. The other ear. I'm telling you these secrets because... We share a bond in a special way. Hannon said your mother was present. In a cave? Yes. An ancient cave with pagan megaliths. The story is that I am epileptic. That I had a seizure. Deep in the cave, my two friends and I explored. It was not a seizure. A thing. A demon was trying to take me away. Away? My soul. To hell. Both men are silent for a moment. Lyle toys with a french fry. You fought back. How does a boy fight a thing that cannot be seen? My friends ran off and brought my mother back to the cavern. I was still alive. What did she do? She brought with her a witch. Excuse me? She was said to be because of her strange beliefs, paganism, and so forth. She tried to rid me of the evil that was penetrating my soul. How'd she do? Matteo takes another long pause. He eats a single french fry. The evil thing jumped from me to my mother. They are known to do this sometimes. My mother had a massive coronary and collapsed on top of me. My friends observed all this, hiding behind a large stone altar. 
Neither man is hungry now, but Lyle is still thirsty and signals for another scotch. The waitress brings a fresh one. So, she saved you, but at the cost of your own mother? Yes, but I do not feel saved. I feel the same demon that took my mother has been after me my whole life. My father blamed me, sent me away to the seminary school where I eventually became a priest. Sad. Not completely sad. I did hear my mother's last words whispered in my ear. Oh? I heard her quietly exhale. I love you. I love you. Both men are silent for a moment. Then Lyle takes another swig. As a priest, aren't you inoculated from all that demonic mumbo-jumbo? Not after what happened to me tonight. It was unbelievable. I think I encountered the voices you were hearing. Encountered voices? Yes. I believe I heard the spirits of women who were held captive in that old house. Women, even children, who suffered greatly there. I heard and saw. Saw? Saw what? Mostly long hair, tattered clothes and skeletons, with lots of screams. How long were they kept captive? I would not know, but after death, there is no time, only endless eternity. Clocks are for the living, but a thing was in the room with them. I could feel it trying to harm me, dig into my soul, stop me from praying for them. What happened? They took flight. They turned into glowing orbs and glided out of the house through the roof. It was strangely beautiful to see. Really? Did, did your praying set them free? I can only hope. But at the same time, that evil thing was downstairs having its way with you. You mean Mose Allen? The thing punishing me jumped to you. So, you saved me? Possibly. Scotosis tin me terra su. Oh, yeah? Do you know you cursed me? Who, me? No. What kind of a curse is that? Greek. Do you know any Greek? Um, Olympics? Feta? You cursed me in English and in Greek, even as I carried you out of that house. Oof. <sighs> I should be more appreciative. Lyle signals for the check. In that case, Father, this is on me. Having dropped off Mateo's sherry, Fred drives to Lyle's block. It's a shock. They see his whole neighborhood changed for the weird. As Fred approaches Lyle's house, they see campfires and tents all around the street. Fred suddenly jams the brakes, yanking Lyle forward in his backseat. Sorry, Mr. Hall. Crazy pedestrian. In the van's headlights, 
the two men see a disheveled-looking man making angry gestures at Fred, apparently for not driving more safely, like he lives here. Lyle soon finds out the man thinks he does, as do many others. What is this? Night of the Living Campers? Fred creeps the van forward, emergency flashes on, avoiding more campers until Lyle's house comes into surreal view. Red and blue lights flash around it from a number of police cruisers. There are tents, campfires even, on his lawn. A big cop walks towards Fred's van, making the universal sign for roll down your window. It's Big Frank, a longtime Southampton police sergeant and secret boyfriend of Lyle's daughter, Georgie. The smell of fresh coffee wafts in the windows. Frank nods at Fred, then directs his attention to Lyle. Mr. Hall, got some unusual activity tonight. Know anything about this? Yeah. I invited all my camping enthusiast friends for a sleepover. Nice. Look, you'd be within your rights to have your front lawn cleared of trespassers. <laughs> got tear gas? But I wouldn't if I were you. They seem peaceable enough. No sign of weapons so far. So far? <laughs> Great. Yeah. You probably don't want to be the guy who starts a riot in residential Bridgehampton. I don't want to be that guy. But why are they all here? Some news story online about you and a haunted house. 111 Poplar. People here are curious about that stuff, or nuts. They're at that old house, too. Surprising. Been coming in from all over for hours, on the ferries, too. Montauk Highway's getting backed up at this time of night, so this could be a long haul. Lyle doesn't have time for a long haul. Mose Allen. We'll be checking IDs all night in case there are troublemakers horning in. Tomorrow you might address any legal path you might want to follow. But again, I'd recommend restraint for now. Frank nods at a nearby camp right on Lyle's front lawn, two canvas tents and a campfire heating an old-school coffee pot. Like these old gents. Korean war vets. Camping and hunting enthusiasts. Is that campfire legal? No, but like I say, they aren't troublemakers. How's the coffee? Not bad. Lyle, for once, is at a total loss. So I have some officers here to get you in your house safely, just in case. Got your crutches? It dawns on Lyle he left them behind in that horrid old Vic. It seems like eons ago. He doesn't respond. Anyway, these men will see you inside. Two able-bodied young police officers help Lyle out of the van. Stepping on terra firma, he feels surprisingly stronger than ever since his deadly car crash, despite the late hour. Maybe it's the scotch. Campers, strangers unlike any Bridgehampton resident, start to crowd around Lyle and the cops, peppering him with questions about Jewel, about the house and personal questions too. Lyle is too disoriented to answer strangers' random questions, but feels a new hopefulness about his progress walking with these two cops. The cops keep him propelled up onto his porch and to his front door. Opening the front door, Big Frank pops into view again. Oh, and Lyle? Lyle, weary, excited, puzzled, exhausted, looks up at him. Is your phone working? Detective Hall has been trying to reach you for some time. 